Welcome back to the Break It Down for Brackens podcast. Today, I am super pumped to be talking to my buddy of what I believe might be 20 years, Will Astell. Will is the creator of the West Virginia Eastern Panhandle Weather Facebook page. And if you're familiar with that page, what an awesome thing it is to look at. Not only does he have what I consider to be above moderately accurate weather predictions, he's also my buddy. So when I see him offer a special type of comment back to smartasses, if you will, on his page, I really do enjoy watching the, the transactions. Uh, Will's going to talk to us about his background, um, when and why he started the page, what it's for, uh, his weather background, the resources he uses. We're going to talk about hype versus reality. And what's cool is today, December 12th, right, um, we have a storm coming up in a few days. So he's going to talk about how to read the weather radars and that sort of stuff. So let's hear what Will has to share about his West Virginia Eastern Panhandle weather Facebook page. Will, let's just go ahead and get started. I'm not going to stop that. That was a good recording right there. That was that sounded great, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Dude, I'm really psyched to even be seeing you and hanging out. So um, let's just jump right into it. Let's talk about a little bit about your background. You know, where are you from? Uh, did you go to school? Where do you live? Where have you lived? Uh, anything you want to throw out there? Try not to do any embarrassing stories about the 20 years that we've hung out when it comes to between you and me. But, you know, tell me about it. What's up? So, so I was born and raised in Northern Virginia. Uh, transplanted to the Eastern Panhandle in 99. And uh, I've always had a affinity for the weather. I've always been interested in the weather. Um, always been fascinated by the weather. I was always one of the guys that was running outside when a storm was coming, when everybody else was running inside. Um, and, and it's kind of, of led into um, what I do with the, with the weather page. Uh, because back in 2012, um, as everybody can probably remember, the derecho came through. Let's, let's break that down for a second then, man. Derecho is a name of, like, why is it called derecho and what was it? A derecho is defined as a long-term or long-time period weather event where you have winds in excess of... 60 or 70 miles an hour, somewhere right in there. I'm sure there's a specific, but it has to occur over a multi-hour time span and over hundreds of miles. And you can't forecast a derecho. You can only call it a derecho after it happened. Oh, okay. I remember when that was coming through, it was a kind of a hot, muggy day. Um, and I remember I saw my neighbor sitting outside having a cigarette and I was like, Hey Paul, what's up? He's like, I don't know. I just talked to him. I'm watching for this storm. And I'm like, what storm? He's like, well, I was talking to my son in Ohio and uh, he said a crazy windy storm came through and like knocked out all the power. So I remember I pulled up my Doppler radar on my phone and I was like, wow, look at that. It, it seemed to span from the great lakes, like all the way down into maybe Northern Alabama. Am I right or wrong? It did. It initiated in Wisconsin and then went down through Michigan and then Indiana and then across Ohio. And I remember I was watching it for, for three hours before it got here. And I remember seeing the news reports and all the, the newspaper reports after it happened 
they were interviewing people that said, I had no idea this was coming. So that's what kind of gave me the idea of starting this page on Facebook so that I could keep people weather aware and I could get people aware of the weather that was coming long before it even got here. Well, let's back up for a second. Let's talk about how serious of a storm it was. So my, my experience was, um, I think it hit our area in the Charlestown, West Virginia area at about, was it 6 p.m., 5 p.m., something around that time frame. But I remember it was still sunny out, but as the clouds came through, it was almost like the clouds were maroon and orange and the lightning You'd never seen anything like it, but you didn't hear the thunder. You saw just crazy amounts of lightning first. And then the wind hit and the power went out. And I remember I went outside just to be in it, kind of like you being out in the storm. And I remember my eyes getting blasted by just dirt and everything just flying through the air. It was it was the most intense thing. But in Charlestown, I lost power for more than two days. So it, was a, it wasn't just a storm. It was a serious weather event. It was, and even in Martinsburg, um, I remember the the roof of the old Union Dodge uh, sales uh, car dealership downtown had the roof peeled off, and it actually threw it across the railroad tracks uh, by the old B&O roundhouse. And the power was out downtown in Martinsburg for probably a week, if wow. not longer. Right, so then you have a defined surprise weather event and the general consensus was we didn't know this was coming we didn't there was no warning kind of like you hear with tornadoes but this was a state by state almost like weather attack yeah usually thunderstorms only last for 15 minutes Mm -hmm. Um, the typical lifetime uh, the life cycle of a thunderstorm from birth to collapse is 15 minutes but here in the case of the derecho you had a long-term event where the the front or the storms basically just kept regenerating themselves so it just kept rolling along right and that's that's one of those types of events that i was like if i had had you know an audience people would have known this was coming and it might not have been such a surprise so then that enters the the weather page that you created so tell me about that and what the when it started and why and what its purpose really is well again we started the the wvepw facebook page um in 2012 right after the derate show uh because i knew a lot of people spend a lot of time on facebook and there was a great audience and almost immediately when i started it and i started posting uh my weather people were were starting to pay attention. They were starting to be like, oh, okay, there's a storm coming. Or I would give people a heads up that, you know, their potential is there for storms. And we even got to the point where we started creating graphics for the header so that I would change the graphics. And then as watches or warnings or advisories would come out, I would post them right on the Facebook page and it would go immediately on there. And a lot of times I would have that, and I still do, where I have the text of a watch or a warning up before the actual audio finishes on the NOAA weather radio. That's pretty cool. So for a second, let's talk about the uh, the explosive growth of the page. I think it popped up and like, well, you invited some friends to like it or something first, and then all of a sudden it just got shared, and you went from like zero to a thousand. How fast? Um, almost immediately. Um, I found that that people... People in the Panhandle do not have a good weather source. I mean, yes, we have the news station out of Hagerstown, 
but a lot of the DC uh, TV news stations really don't cover the Eastern Panhandle. Some of them might talk about it in passing, but we didn't really have a, a source right here in the Panhandle that was dedicated specifically for the eight counties that we cover here in the Panhandle. Gotcha. So, oh, the eight counties? And the eight counties that we cover yeah. are Berkeley, Jefferson, Morgan, Mineral, Hampshire, Pendleton, Grant, and Hardy. Now, some people will say that's not the Eastern Panhandle, but for my definition and my intents and purposes, I'm including all eight of those counties in the Eastern Panhandle. I love that, okay? Because I'm gonna segue this into, <clears throat> it's your page. It's Will's page. You know, you started it, it's a hobby. Are you amateur or are you professional? I am what I like to call a weather enthusiast. Okay. So then professional means you went to college and got a degree and then got a job as a meteorologist, which you are not. I, I am not. I did not go to school for meteorology. I do not have a degree in meteorology. I do not pawn myself off as a meteorologist. Right. So the part that I'm trying to get to, the part that I like and why it's so comical to me sometimes for some of the blowback you get on the page you are an enthusiast who's doing this for free for the most part and you're sharing information with the public and it's a hobby. It is, it is definitely a hobby. Even when I go out, if I know storms are coming and I'm doing a Facebook Live so people can see the storms and see the lightning, um, I'm providing a public service. For free and nobody asked you. For free. So if I go on there and I give you a hard time because you said it was going to snow and it didn't snow, or, hey, the last two times, blah, 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 you said a thunderstorm was going to come and it wasn't that bad because I live in the farthest reaches of Jefferson County, but the panhandle calls for 100 miles away. Oh, and I guess the point is, is, I, is what I want to say is that you can define the panhandle as the whole state if you want to because, Will, it's your page and you can decide. That's true. Uh, I, I do have complete control over the content of the page. Um, I used to have admins, uh, but you know, people come and go. Yeah. Um, but uh, 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 I typically let people vent because people seem to use Facebook for venting. But if you insult or attack or tell me that I should listen to another weather source for my information, that's going to get you blocked and gotcha. you're not going to be able to comment anymore. I like that. And it's because I like that because you're a volunteer. Nobody asked you. People come to your page voluntarily. They don't pay a fee. And it's some of the beatings you take are just not necessarily needed. And luckily you don't see a lot of the trash talking because you get in front of it pretty early. But you do see some comical stuff. Even I go on there just to mess with you because I know your will. And I ask a dumb question just to feed the population. When's it going to hit Charlestown? Like, what time? You know, and I know that's the dumbest question I could ever ask. And it's just to fan the flames. Um, but I'll tell you how I use the, the WVEPW page, which is the West Virginia Eastern Panhandle weather page. I run a snowplow outfit, 
and we pushed snow from Hagerstown and Frederick all the way over to Martinsburg and into Winchester. And that's a pretty wide range. And when a snowstorm is coming through, my trucks have to be on site as the storm is hitting. And it hits each, each location differently. And because I'm friends, I'm able to reach out to Will by text or Facebook or whatever. And I know he's glued to the Doppler as a storm is approaching because this is his hobby. Um, he gives me the greatest detailed friend level predictions of where the where the air is the coldest so we know when the snow is really going to hit because if my operating budgets are 25 to 400 dollars an hour depending on the coverage if he says hey the storm's going to delay by three hours he could save me hundreds of dollars with that warning that's why in the past i've been a sponsor of the page and i really appreciate what he's doing I also use the Weather Channel app and the AccuWeather app. And between those three, with Will and whatever I'm seeing on TV, it actually allows me oversight. But I find that Will and the TV and the apps can be all over the board, and it's hard to predict the weather. Is that, is, would you agree it's hard to predict the weather? It is definitely hard to predict the weather. Um, I, I suggest to everybody that I talk to that they get their weather alerts and their weather information from multiple sources. Um, I always encourage everyone to have a NOAA weather radio in their house uh, because you cannot rely on your cell phone to give you an alert. Um, just like we get the alerts in different ways, people come to my page for information, they go to a TV station, they go to another weather person's Facebook page, um, you should get your information from multiple multiple sources. Nice. So the Weather Channel was supposed to be kind of just an alert situation. Is that what it's continued to be, or is it transitioned to anything else, or is it, you know, what do you see the future of it being? The Weather Channel was a great organization up until, and this is my personal opinion, up until NBC bought them out. When NBC bought them out, that's when we started seeing the the naming of winter winter storms, which I think is a terrible it's idea. Kind of silly. Yeah. The only storms, in my opinion, again, that should be named are hurricanes because those are the most important storms that affect our country and affect other countries as typhoons. Mm -hmm. But when NBC bought out the Weather Channel, it turned into being all about ratings and being all about hype. Yeah, the Weather Channel's app is filthy. You get in there and you get caught by this clickbait and they have some really wacky videos that are really, they draw you in. And if you want to really like burn 10 minutes of your life, you can go on the page and look at anything but weather. Um, I guess I may have misspoke when I said your weather page, not the Weather Channel, but your weather page. Has it continued to do what you hoped it would do or has it transitioned to um, newer avenues? Well, WVEPW has gone through a couple different evolutions. Mm -hmm. um, originally, we tried taking it off Facebook and taking it into like a private Facebook page where people had to pay to get weather information because I was honestly to the point where this is not worth my time. Right. You know, the, the demands that were being put on me by the people that were coming to the page, I was like, whoa, 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 hold on. I'm like, if we're going to do it like this, then you know what? If you want specific information and a specific time, then we're going to have to come up with a, some kind of subscription. Well, let, let's, let's talk about what brings on those sort of demands. 
when you hit that point, how many page followers would you say that you had at that point? At that point, we probably had an average daily reach of between forty-five and 55,000 a day. That's pretty insane. And to be a hobbyist, enthusiast, even if 1% of those people insisted on obnoxiously detailed information with you out, without you being a weather service, I could see where that would become overwhelming. And you're like, I can't answer these questions. And I have a job and I have a family right? and I have free time and sleep, you know, um, Okay, that makes sense. So I assume the paid model did not work. You know, we transitioned away from the from the paid model just because it got cumbersome and it got to the point where I'm like, how can I do this better? And that's when I, I realized that if I had advertisers or companies or businesses that would sponsor the page, that I wouldn't have to charge the individual person. <clears throat> and that would allow me to cover my costs and still give everybody the information they want. That's great. The website. The website. Uh, the website, www.wvepw.com. Uh, when you visit that page, you will see a couple of different things. And this is why I tell people that the website is better than the Facebook page. I had a custom app built for the website that goes out and parses the National Weather Service's databases every 90 seconds. And it looks for the, ten, uh, the eight counties that we cover, and when it sees a watch, a warning, or an advisory, or a special weather statement, it automatically pops that up in the box and populates... Like a feed. Like, yeah, like a feed. And then when the watcher, the warning, or the advisory comes down, it automatically takes it off. Okay. So from a drama enthusiast, you want to be on the Facebook page. If you are a weather tracker, storm chaser, um, or very scared of storms, it's better to be on the website. It's better to be on the website because you are going to get your information immediately um, and you're also going to have a auto-reloading 15-minute radar scan that will show you the current radar. And, of course, it will also give you banners and links to all of our advertisers. Are you seeing decent traffic on that website? Obviously, when the weather is bad, okay. the traffic goes up. Or when I tell people, hey, look, we're expecting storms today, but I have to work. So you're going to have to go over to the website instead of relying on the weather page, or instead of relying on the Facebook page. Come on, Will, we need you at the helm. We need you to be the, the typing voice of all storms, so. You know, and actually, believe it or not, even to this day, ever since the day I started, what I would do is I would wait for the watch or the warning to come out, and then I would go to the National Weather Service and I would cut and paste the watch or the warning or the advisory and go back to the weather page, manually post it, I would have to fix the spacing, and then hit hit post. We had tried for about six months to use an automated service that would go that. out and pull for us, but it was pulling everything for every county, every time it got reposted by the National Weather Service. People were like, oh my gosh, this is just too much. And and they were right. It was it was overload. Right, I remember that. All right, cool. So um 
Let's talk about some of the resources you use sure. to uh, develop your weather opinions. So give me two or three of them. Well, I will tell you right off the bat that I typically use the National Weather Service for my forecast, uh, especially for my snow accumulations, unless I see something that's really crazy and like in a model that I'm like thinking, man, I think National Weather Service is way off. They're way off. Um, nine times out of 10, I will stick with whatever forecast that National Weather Service uses. Who does the National Weather Service use as their resources? Well, the, we use a number of different models, uh, but the two main What's models. A model? Uh, a model is a computer program that basically goes back through history and pulls weather or meteorological data and plugs it into Hold a on, program. Man. Hold on. We got the break just down for brackets. Okay. Now. All right. History three days, history three years, three months. What, like when you like, say it draws. Like, like 100 years, like back oh. through. It, it goes all the way back for all the recorded weather data. Okay. So that's a lot more data. So you're saying <clears throat> one of the models, a computer says, okay, I'm looking at 100 years. The last four times we saw this version of pressure or pressure storm center temperatures wind all of those all those parameters so it mod it says okay from what we've seen over 100 years we've seen this six times and each time this happened in at this elevation you can see this much snow rain or whatever typically the well typically the medium range models you have you have three of them you have a short term you have a medium range and then you have a long term the medium range is usually about three to 10 days. And that's what the main models that everybody uses to do their, their, their seven day or 10 day or whatever you want to call it. Um, it will look at that data and be like, okay, the last time we saw this, this is what happened in the future. And it basically takes all of that, all that data and crunches it. So we're talking a supercomputer. We're not talking about yeah. a laptop on my desk in my house. This is, you know, a supercomputer with rows and rows and rows of computers. It basically looks at this historical weather data and says, where have we seen this before and what happened after? And that is based on the globe or region or? Well, one of the models, the global forecast uh, system is the American. GFS? The GFS. Oh, my God. You, yeah. you got something right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's the American model. It's done by the United States and it's paid by taxpayers. Okay. So everybody has access to it. So anybody can go out to a website and see the data that's being put out by the GFS. The other model that's out there is what we refer to as the Euro or the ECMWF, which stands for, and there'll be a quiz later, <laughs> the European Center for Medium Range Weather Forecast. And that is actually a weather model that is a consortium or a intergovernmental um, entity made up of 34 European countries. That one is not free. You have to pay for that one if you want to be able to see all of the data. Wow. But really, these supercomputers are predicting the future as best they can. As best they can. But as we've seen in the past, these models have said, hey, this storm's going to happen here. You know, we've seen this before. We're going to get a bunch of a bunch of snow. 
I send you out to, to do plows and then there's nothing. You're right. I, we've had a lot of those. Um, and that's, it seems recently whether people have been really wrong quite a bit over the last two or three years. Um, and I think that's because and I'm getting off my list of things to talk about. But I think it's because of hype. I think, I think the news is so pumped up about ratings that they want to draw you in with, Hey, we might get 20 inches this week. Like what dude? And then it ends up being a ice event with a quarter inch of snow. And even though six days ago, and I heard a myth that maybe you can explain to me. The day before the weather could be 10% wrong, the prediction. And five days before it could be 50% wrong. Is that, how does that break down? Is that something that's true? That's pretty accurate. I mean, as I've found on the weather page, when I start talking about model output um, seven days out, it nine times out of 10 is wrong. So in a scenario, if they say seven days out, we might get 30 inches. That always perks my ears because even if it's 70% wrong, we still might get five inches. And, and that gets your attention. And also this goes back to the hype thing. There are, whether it's businesses or weather entities or whatever, everybody wants to be the first to be able to say, there's a snowstorm coming. Now, sometimes it doesn't happen. Sometimes it does. But what we're seeing with the storm that's coming on Wednesday is two days ago, the GFS and the Euro, they were a little bit different on how much snow was actually going to fall, but they were both showing snow in the same place. And for models to be in agreement that far out, that was making me pay attention. I see. Okay. So a little bit of the hype again. I was in the gym very early in the morning, like 4.30. My Weather Channel app had a little snowflake on there saying it was currently snowing in Charlestown. And then my hourly said it was going to be snowing until 8 p.m., 8 a.m. And then the news was flashing up. The 4 or 5 a.m. news was like, hey, Snow's, snow could affect the Maryland and uh, Northern Virginia commute this morning, so prepare. And I'm like, I'm looking out the window going, it's not snowing. I own a snowplow company. I would have been pre-treating with salt if it was really going to snow. And even when the sun came out, my app still told me, or when the sun came up, it still told me, snow. Are they just effing with me? Like, what's going on? Well... I think when you're dealing with apps from big companies like the Weather Channel, they are trying to forecast hourly for the whole country. So there is a little bit of generalization, and it may have been snowing at it, a higher it altitude. It did show moisture over our area. But it was probably evaporating before it reached the ground. Why would that happen? That would happen because the air at the surface was so dry. That do you mean surface like one foot off the pavement, or do you mean like a thousand feet? Oh, a thousand feet. Yeah, that's called surface. Yeah, I would call that surface. Holy crap! That's, I mean, for someone who doesn't know, that's way higher than surface. I mean, that's pretty much the height of Snickers Gap if you're going over Route Seven, going over towards Virginia. I'm just saying, dude, from a guy who doesn't understand that much about weather, the surface is kind of below my knees, right? Because it's literally the surface. The surface. Yeah. But you're saying when they use the word surface, 
they mean a thousand foot and under. My mind's just about to blow. I'm just about yeah, to yeah I, for, for all intents and purposes, yeah. Well, we just learned something, boys and girls. We just learned something there. Okay, cool. So then the temperature a thousand feet to the ground was too warm, but it may have been snowing thousands it, of feet above that. It wasn't that it was too warm, it's that it was too dry. Too dry. If you have really dry air, you have snow falling down into that dry air, it's going to evaporate kind of like Virga or rain when it evaporates before it reaches the ground. Did you just drop Virga? What I did that? just drop Virga. <laughs> Virga is rain that evaporates before it reaches the ground. You see it out west a lot. They call them dry thunderstorms. Okay. Yeah. It's just basically the rain evaporates before it reaches the ground. So the air is too dry. The moisture tries to fall because water is heavier than air. Yes. But because the air is dry, should I say thirsty, it kind of eats up the rain? You, you want me to give you another another weather word? Sure. What happens in that case is called sublimation. Okay. Sublimation is where you go directly from a solid to a gas. Oh. There is no solid liquid gas where you would normally see the transition, but it goes straight from a solid to a gas. Okay. So then for the sake of rain or snow, that just means you can't see it, but it might seem to get colder out. It, it, it could get cold, but you don't necessarily have to have temperatures at 32 degrees at the ground for it to snow. But let's not get that technical okay. yet. So right. at one point during a storm, I was bitching to you saying, what the F, Will? I'm sitting out here all night. There ain't nothing coming. And it says the weather, and you're like, well, it takes time for the cold air, or I guess the moisture in the air to come low enough for snow to hit. And it's taking longer than we thought. Kind of explain that to me. Is that the gases? Or... Well, what what you have is, is cold air typically is very dry. Okay. Um, the colder the air mass is, the drier it's going to be. So in order to get that precipitation to fall from the cloud, you want to moisten up that, what they call a parcel of air. So just imagine a box. Mm -hmm. You want that, that moisture, you want it to get wet enough so that the precipitation can fall through it without actually evaporating. So then that would mean the colder it is, the less likely, the dry colder it is, the less likely it's going to snow. Correct. But if it feels like it's abnormally cold out because of the moisture in the air, then it's more likely to snow. But that's typically 24 to 33 degrees, somewhere in that range? 24 to 32 is a good range, but... Like, you don't see a lot of snow in Antarctica because the temperatures are so cold, the, the air won't hold the moisture enough to actually let it fall. So what you get is a situation where you're not only looking at temperature, but you're also looking at the relative humidity. Humidity. Okay, good. Good. We're, we're starting to get, I think we're starting to get out of this 101 zone. I can, I can feel it coming with words like Virga and sublimation. Um, so I think for background, we've covered almost all that stuff. We haven't talked about NOAA. Is there anything to say about NOAA? Um, the National Weather Service office that we use actually comes out of Sterling, Virginia. They're yeah. down by Dulles Airport. Um, they are a great group of guys and gals who are all you know, college educated mm -hmm. from either Penn State, Mississippi State. Degrees, I mean, yeah, meteorologists. Degreed meteorologists, not some guy on Facebook that just happened to throw a meteorologist in front of his name because he took an online class. Oh, I mean, these are guys that went to four-year colleges 
that have done more math than I will probably ever, ever do in three lifetimes. Right. So they, they are 24 seven. That's all they do. They don't do anything else. And is NOAA the National Weather Service? NOAA is the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. They're actually the governmental body that's over top of the National Weather Service. Okay, that helps. Um, all right, good. So we covered that. So let's talk about the. Did I miss anything, by the way? Mm. You know, let's talk about your sponsors. You said you have some supporters on. Um, speaking of sponsors, while he's looking up all the sponsors that he has, because he has quite a few, this podcast is brought to you by Bracken's Painting LLC, uh, your Virginia and West Virginia region, uh, residential and commercial painters. I own it. It is, we have a state license in both states. We carry all the general liability and workers' comp insurance. And um, if you ever need painting done, please reach out to me, Kevin Brackens, www.brackenspainting.com. Will, you cited and you found some sponsors and supporters of the website. It does cost money to run a website. I have a few of them. My costs are hundreds of dollars, believe it or not, whether it's the domain hosting or whatever web service I'm using to have my web page up. So I understand it definitely costs money. Um, we, we try to dabble in getting sponsors for this podcast, and it really just didn't come together because, I mean, why? why, right? I wasn't very good at selling it because it's just a hobby to me. But you've been successful getting some sponsors to help uh, alleviate the cost of running the website and all these connections that you're putting together with it. So what are some of those? Um, basically, the way it works is we have sponsors. Uh, they get a banner on our website that when you click on it actually takes you to their website. Nice. And we also do a monthly post on the Facebook page so as we don't bombard everybody with constant ads. Right. We do an ad once a month. We list out all of uh, our advertisers. I've seen that. It's really good. And some of our, our advertisers, Flowers Unlimited in Martinsburg, uh, Enchanted Mermaid Cleaning Service in Martinsburg. Cool. The amazing Jersey Mike's Subs. Jersey Mike's on point. Yes. In Martinsburg. Awesome. I, I like to stop there during storms when I'm transitioning from Winchester to Hagerstown. It is a great way to uh, to power up when you need uh, when you need a quick sub. It's awesome, and you're open during snowstorms. We hope to be open on Wednesday. We'll see. Rock and roll, and we'll talk about Wednesday here in a minute when we wrap up. Yeah, uh, Dr. Malika over at Panhandle Podiatry. Put the uh, mic. Oh, there you go. There we go. Yeah. Sorry, I was a little off center. Uh, let's see. We got Harper's Fairy Tales. What's that? Uh, that is a pet service. They actually do walking. They do some training. They're based out of Harper's Ferry. Very nice. Okay. And let's see. Who else do we got? We got Unique Cases. They're actually a, a uh, small business out of Cape and Bridge. They make custom gun cases, uh, and they're an awesome, awesome advertiser. Very cool. Sunset Hills Farms, uh, Mr. Electric out of Berkeley Springs. And it seems like most of our advertisers... Uh, are, are based in Martinsburg, but we have been getting a few more advertisers that have come from, from outside the area. How'd you find them? People you knew or they reach out to you? Well, people's, people saw the posts on the page and they saw that, you know, if they wanted information on advertising, they could drop me an email at advertising at wvepw.com. Yeah, I, I know that I've, I've received some uh, leads from your website as well because I used to be a sponsor. Cool. Um, I don't know why I stopped. Did you stop hounding me? What happened? Um, 
We weren't, I, we, I, weren't I we weren't getting enough snow, I think, was, was part of the... You know what? That's totally true. I remember that. It's been a couple of years since we've had really decent snow. But at the same time, we're friends, and I've had you in my pocket the whole time. So I'd love to help, especially if, if this storm... Here's the deal. Oh, here we go. Bracken's Painting will be a sponsor if this storm hits 10 inches. Savvy? In 10 inches where? In my zone. Winchester. Frederick. I'll go on record now. Whoa. Whoa. I'll go on record now saying that this zone will probably see 16 to 18 inches. Oh, my God. Get out of here. Okay. Hype machine. Okay. Again, I'm not going to believe it till the day before. Okay. So I know that's getting close. And I need to adjust my shot if we're really looking at that kind of um, measurements for how I'm prepared for this storm. Um, let's talk about that. Let's talk about how this storm has come up. Like you said, two models quite a ways out agreed on a particular location with actual accumulation and relatively similar uh, predictions. So what do we need to know about this? Well, honestly, what we're seeing right now is we're seeing a classic nor'easter setup. Um, we're seeing a small storm system that's going to come through on Monday, which might throw down a little bit of rain, maybe a little rain-snow mix. Um, accumulations maybe out Hampshire County, um, Grant County, out towards the Allegheny Front. But as for us, I think it's going to stay mostly rain just because we're going to be on the warm side. And what's going to happen, though, when that storm swings through is that's going to allow a high pressure to move from Quebec over New England and then off the New England coast. And as you know, high pressure rotates clockwise. So that's going to start pulling cold air down the coast, which is going to push the cold air up against the, the mountains, which is what we call a classic cold air damming situation because cold air is denser. So the cold air is going to push up against the mountains here in like the Shenandoah Valley and even out towards the Allegheny Front. So you figure this really cold, dense air is being pushed in from the east coast so it's banking up against the mountains, so it's going to be stuck there. It's going to be hard to scour out if any warm air were to come in. Now throw into effect a storm that's going to form over South Carolina, and it's going to move northeast up the coast. And you've got the high pressure to the north, which is going to slow its progression down a little bit. And you've got all this moisture coming up from the south. We're going to be strictly on the 100% snow side. There is no rain-snow mix for anybody in the Shenandoah Valley, anybody in the Panhandle, it's going to be straight snow from the time it starts Wednesday morning till probably the pre-dawn hours of Thursday. I hear so much confidence in your voice, but I feel like I've heard it before, Will. You have heard it before. Okay. Well, this, this is looking really good. And, and, uh, I've, I've been watching the model runs. The model runs have been consistent. How does our surface look? And I don't mean my knees down. I mean that 1,000 feet that really determines well, if we get the, snow. The ground is still warm from mm -hmm. the fall and from the, from the summer. We haven't really had a good hard freeze yet to really cool the surface down. Right. But the snow is going to be falling so hard and so fast on Wednesday that it's going to overcome that warmth on the ground level at, at the ground that it's 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 not going to matter it's going to start accumulating and we could have we could have accumulations two inches an hour okay this gets me all fired up because of the and, snow plows and there could be thunder snow thunder snow that's awesome i um i witnessed that the first time when i went to wilmington for that snow bomb that came up mm -hmm. the east coast that was pretty uh pretty intense 
Well, cool. Those are good predictions, and you heard it here. I will sponsor. I will throw $400 at this sponsorship if we get 10 or more in this first storm, which would literally make up for the last two years. That would give you a lot of work. Yes, it would. Um, is there anything we missed? Is there anything in, uh, in your notes or my notes that you think we didn't cover? Um, just that we love everybody that comes to the weather page on Facebook. Um, 99% of the people get it. They get what I do. They get the pur the purpose of the page, you know, the mission. Um, but there's that 1% that keeps it interesting for the rest of us. That's true. And, and as for popularity, how many followers do you have on the page approximately? Um, you know, you can go by likes, but I think that Facebook starts parsing those likes out after a while. So my like count is... Uh, I think it was like 60, 70,000 likes, but Jesus. Um, the the most, my highest reach and the way Facebook can, calculates reach is that when someone sees my post and then they share it, it counts all the people on their friends list that sees the post and it calculates all that of what they call a total reach. Right. And my highest reach was during the 30 inch snowfall of 2016. I had a reach of over 800,000 people. Well, that's amazing. Well, I, I know I mentioned I was doing this podcast to about four or five people, and every single one of them follows your page. And all of them also said, that's where I go for my weather. We so, appreciate that. Even though you are a weather enthusiast. Thank you. And everybody wants to hold you accountable for this suspect storm we're about to have in a couple of days. You know, it's your page. You can do what you want. You could close it if you wanted to. You might get burned out and say, I'm done with this nonsense. It's just too much to do because it's yours. You're not the weather service. You're not NOAA. But I love what you're doing. I'm glad you're my friend and resource and, and mega hobbyist and storm chaser kind of guy. Like, this is awesome to me. And I'm, I'm really glad you came on the podcast. Um, that 1% of people, hey, man, that's just, that's just good to go. We figure... Let me get my calculator because I'm not really good at on-the-spot math. If you have 60,000 followers um, times 0 0.01, that's 600 knuckleheads you have to deal with. 600 is the 1%. Even if it was a third of that, 200 knuckleheads. It's still 200 knuckleheads. So I think you do a great job managing it. I think your rebuttals sometimes are hilarious. And most people I talk to I'd say 10% of them think you're a jerk. The rest of them think you're hilarious. <laughs> then I'm doing my job. <laughs> All right. Well, Will, uh, again, uh, tell them the website, tell them the Facebook page, and then let's shut this thing down. Facebook page is WV Eastern Panhandle. Accept no substitutes. There are other weather people that are trying to do this in the panhandle, but you know who to come to. And the website is www.wvepw.com. That's awesome, Will. I'm going to throw in a plug right now for uh, my social and fitness club. It's called Bros and Bras. Bros and Bras is the uh, Jefferson County social and fitness club. We do six to seven walks and runs um, throughout. It's all volunteer-led. Our vo our, um, we also pair up with Two Rivers Treads out of Ranson, a running store. If you're interested, um, goodcompanywv.net is where the uh, fitness calendar is. And you can find us on Facebook at Bro Brackens, B-R-O, 
Brackens, B-R-A-C-K-E-N-S. And um, it's free. Sometimes we have 5Ks. We all go to 5Ks together. But if you're looking to get fit, you're looking to be around healthy people trying to be healthy and um, motivated, positive people, we're, we're a good group for that. Again, that's uh, goodcompanywv.net. Same place you can find this podcast. So, uh, Will, thanks all again. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Today's intro song is called Mean in a Good Way. It's written and performed by Peter Clark off of his album, Peter Clark After Dark. Peter Peter describes this song as being the best song to learn hula hooping to. Peter is an avid hooper and recently started a hula hoop repair business. If you ever need hula hoop repair, consider contacting Peter. You can reach him on SoundCloud. Just search Peter Clark After Dark.
Today's intro song is called Mean in a Good Way. It's written and performed by Peter Clark off of his album, Peter Clark After Dark. Peter, <laughs> Peter describes this song as being the best song to learn hula hooping to. Peter is an avid hooper and recently started a hula hoop repair business. If you ever need hula hoop repair, consider contacting Peter. You can reach him on SoundCloud. Just search Peter Clark After Dark.